This is the Blue Jay Hunter podcast, and it's the post-trade deadline aftermath edition. I'm your host, Ian Hunter. Thanks for joining me this week. And this entire week's episode will be focused solely on the Toronto Blue Jays and the trade deadline reactions to their two deals that they made, but also uh, looking ahead to what the future may be in store for the Blue Jays uh, as they play out the last few months of the season. So I guess we'll get right into it. The Blue Jays traded Francisco Liriano to the Houston Astros for Nori Aoki, and they also received Teoscar Hernandez in return. And there was some reports last week that other teams may be interested in Liriano as a reliever, which made a lot of sense to me because the Blue Jays did kind of experiment with that a little bit last year. Uh, they used him in the wildcard game as a reliever. And he, I mean, he certainly has the stuff. If he, if they strip him down to a two-pitch pitcher, a fastball, and a slider pitcher, I mean, he could be a good, a really good situational lefty. Liriano's only walked one left, left-handed batter all season long. Um, tends to have a lot of trouble with righties this year, but against lefties, he's been really solid. So that would be, I guess he's kind of, you know, the really, really cheap man's version of Brad Hand. If you really didn't want the acquisition cost of to get him from the Padres, um, the Astros just went and got Liriano instead. He could also be a bit a bit of a swing man and pick up a few innings here and there. So I mean, it makes a lot of sense for the Astros and the Jays. It sounds like they are kicking in a little bit of cash to cover uh, the prospect coming back, which is Teoscar Hernandez. Not really much known about him. I guess I saw that he kind of slots in now as the Blue Jays' number five prospect. He's an outfielder. He has some major league experience. I think he's played something like 40, 42 games or so in the last two years at the big league level, um, which is, I mean, great. I mean, any any major league experience is tremendous because I feel like the Jays have a lot of, you know, guys down in the minor leagues, a few quad A outfielders, ones who you're not really sure are going to stick and still have a lot of questions about them. I'm thinking of like, you know, the Dalton Pompeys and the Dwight Smiths. Like, are these guys going to be legitimate outfielders or could they even be fourth or fifth outfielders? So um, Teoscar Hernandez definitely enters the fold. And it sounds like Ross Atkins um, thinks he may be a September call-up and potentially even sooner if there's an injury of some sort. Um, so, yeah, it's and really I think the Jays were kind of in a position – uh, especially with Liriano and Estrada, that they basically had to get whatever they could. And, you know, beggars can't be choosers, right? They had to... The Blue Jays' position where they were willing to deal, their advantage was that they could eat money. And, I mean, they're certainly doing that with Liriano and taking on... I mean, it's essentially a salary dump for Nori Aoki. I wrote earlier today that I basically think... Uh, him in the deal is essentially a red herring. It, does, it doesn't mean much. He is arbitration eligible for next year. So if the Blue Jays really wanted to, they could uh, bring him back next year. But he's making $5.5 million, I believe, this year. So he's due for a salary bump. Um, more than likely, he's going to be non-tendered or maybe even released 
or, or something prior prior to uh, coming back for 2018. So I, he's not even going to fit in the long-term or the short-term plans of the Blue Jays for that matter. Just um, It's just a formality of picking up the cash. But the Teoscar Hernandez thing um, is probably the most intriguing thing. And just the fact that the Jays were able to parlay Francisco Liriano, a guy who had an ERA close to six into something, is pretty incredible. I just think back to last year when the Jays were able to uh, move Drew Storen for Joaquin Benoit. I mean, they got, I thought they were just going to release release him entirely. And Benoit came in, there were two change of scenery guys, and, and Benoit was incredible for the Blue Jays until he tried to run out of the bullpen during that Yankees fight. So it, um, I mean, it's essentially, I think it's it's not quite a lottery ticket. In the case of Hernandez, um, the fact that he does have that big league experience is uh, really intriguing to me. So he's not, it's not like you're rolling the dice with this guy, but he does, uh, there seems to be a lot of upside there. And uh, Blue Jays make a second trade. They traded Joe Smith to the Cleveland Indians for a pair of minor leaguers, a pair of guys you've probably never heard about. I've never heard of them either. Um, I think maybe because Smith has been so good out of the bullpen, I thought maybe he would fetch a little more in return. But again, it's I think it's a case where the Jays kind of wanted um, quantity as opposed to quality. And uh, Shapiro and Atkins, I mean, they know they're very familiar with the Indians farm system. I mean, they probably helped draft those guys. Um, that they did acquire today, so I mean they pro- they probably know a lot more than we than we don't. Um, uh, one guy's in Double A, one's in single season, so it's I mean they've got a ways to go. But again, the, these two to me are, are are lottery tickets, and if you think about it, I mean Joe Smith, maybe the Blue Jays were going to re-sign him this year, but. There's no sense in keeping him for another two months, especially if there's a contender who's willing to give you something for him. And same with Francisco Liriano. I mean, there's no, it's not like you're trying to re-sign that guy for 2018. So you may as well give him up for two months and at least get something back in return. So, I mean, the Blue Jays ended today with three more prospects than they didn't have. Um you know, arguably, maybe they're a little bit better by getting, by dumping Liriano, and maybe that signals a call up from the minor leagues, or I don't know, maybe Mike Bolsinger steps in and he's half decent, or Joe Biagini goes back into the rotation. It's like Ross Atkins said, I think the Jays were trying to essentially do uh, addition by subtraction. What he meant by that was get rid of some of their struggling pair players like Estrada or Aliriano. And, you know, the funny thing is they still could improve, even though they just gave away Liriano and Smith, just the way that the bullpen's been pitching as of late. Maybe they don't miss Smith all that much. Um, so we'll see what the final two months uh, have in store. And uh, speaking of Marco Estrada, uh, there was a report earlier this evening from uh, BP Toronto that the Blue Jays are actually uh, trying to work out a contract extension with Marco Estrada. Now, there were 
reports uh, last week that the Jays were potentially entertaining offers from teams like uh, Kansas City, and there were rumblings that you know maybe teams like Milwaukee or Cleveland or or something like that could be interested in Estrada, which to me the 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 Kansas City thing made way too much sense. Uh, fly ball pitcher in a, in a pitcher's ballpark. I mean, that sounded like a match made in heaven to me, and um, it didn't work out that way. Um, but I, I was kind of surprised that the Jays were are actually considering bringing Estrada back, and uh, to me, it would have to be um, a, a deal that's pretty reasonable in, in terms of money. I mean, I don't think he's getting anywhere near what he signed his his initial two-year contract extension for I mean maybe it's only for one more year but that's I mean that's a positive sign it still doesn't um it doesn't prevent the fact that the Jays could still trade Estrada in August I mean if he slips through waivers maybe he's a, a starter pickup for another team but if that's the case I mean, it's, if if the Jays are talking extension, maybe they do just trade him in August and say, okay, why don't you go to Kansas City or wherever for a month and a half, and we'll talk about a contract extension. At least you get to go and play for a contender for a little while. Um, you know, maybe build up some value, and we'll, and we'll talk contract extension come uh, October, November. And... I think, you know, Estrada, it sounds like he's sold on Toronto. And I mean, really, that is, that's something that's been really been plaguing the Blue Jays for many years. I mean, they have not really wooed many starting pitchers to sign in Toronto. Aside from, unless they've played here before, uh, really what you have to do is throw a ton of money at them, which the Blue Jays did with A.J. Burnett uh, all the while back. So... Um, I think the the heavy lifting is done and the convincing has been already taken care of. I think it's just a matter of whether I, I think Estrada wants to come back. It's just a matter of whether the Blue Jays think they should bring him back and whether the Blue Jays believe his 2017 season is kind of a blip on the radar or whether this is a trend, uh, things trending in the wrong direction. And it's it's hard to say. I mean, tonight's tonight's performance by Estrada was extremely promising. But I mean, it's the it's the Chicago White Sox for God's sake. Like you know, they're essentially a quad A team at this point. Um, but these, I mean, these next two months will be really interesting. Uh, Estrada really struggled the past few months, and if he can string together a solid seven eight weeks down the stretch I mean he doesn't have to be Cy Young but I mean just pitch five six innings like I mean that's really a simple requirement which he has been able to do as of late and if you can pull that off then you know maybe maybe sell them maybe sell the Jays on a contract extension um I mean it's not it's not going to be five six years by any means but one to two years develop put in some options or uh, incentives make, and then it makes it palatable for everyone. Um, so I had a question a few weeks ago actually from 
Simon, he's kind of asking to go along with the trade route about Josh Donaldson. And I think a few weeks ago, we kind of got the sense that um, Donaldson wasn't really on on the trading block at all. I think Bob Elliott reported uh, a few weeks back that, you know, the heavy hitters on the Jays roster, uh, that of Donaldson, Estra- or Stroman, and Sanchez and Osuna, they were they were basically uh, non-starters. That teams, the, the Blue Jays said that those players were not available at the trade deadline. However, I mean that doesn't prevent the Blue Jays from potentially dealing Josh Donaldson in the, in the off season, which I can see. I, I bet they're probably going to get a lot of calls about him. Uh, that may depend on on how he performs. Uh, in the last two months of the season, I mean, I, I can safely say that he really hasn't played like himself since he's come off the disabled list. Maybe there are still a few uh, lingering effects from his injury, but, uh, you know, Donaldson is, he's an interesting case. And I mean, I, I've, I've always wondered whether the Blue Jays would actually entertain a contract extension to Josh Donaldson. And he's a weird case because, you know, he's a late bloomer. He's going to be entering free agency at age, what is it, 32, 31, 32. Um, so it's not like he's going to be going for max dollar. Well, I mean, he will be, but he's not going to be able to fetch, you know, a, a Manny Machado or a Bryce Harper size contract. Although, He's definitely in in terms of performance, he's on par with those players, but because he's that much older than them, he's not he's probably not gonna get the years that he's seeking. And you know, the uh, this team is definitely they've got a lot of big salaries on the book already. Um the Troy Tulowitzki deal, Russell Martin, Josh Donaldson would be another twenty uh, million a year player although next year probably gonna have a lot of a lot of money coming off the books you don't have to pay you probably don't have to pay Jose Bautista there's no Liriano uh, we'll see what happens with Estrada so I mean the cash is definitely there it, it's not like the Blue Jays couldn't afford to extend Josh Donaldson but I guess the main the, the real question is whether they should and whether it fiscally makes sense to be throwing down a contract extension for Josh Donaldson. And, you know, somebody's going to do it, whether it's the Toronto Blue Jays or, or somebody else. Somebody, when somebody's going to pay Josh Donaldson, he's going to get paid either by the team he's with now or he'll test free agency and get his money elsewhere. And I don't know if it's, it's going to be a ton of money, but, you know, maybe what happened this past offseason with guys like Edwin Encarnacion, maybe that kind of sets the bar for what's going to happen in the future. Now, you know, Donaldson's the complete package. He's not um, He's not a first baseman. He's not a strictly DH. He's He can do everything. He can run. He can field. He can hit. So he he's going to fetch a ton of money. But are you really, is he worth, you know, $25 million a year for 
three to four years, and then you're paying him at age 35, age 36. I I don't know. It's it's tough to say because the Blue Jays aren't exactly, you know, churning out everyday position players to kind of fill that void. And may you know, eventually I I feel like that torch is going to be passed to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but he's probably still 3 4 years away. So it's not like, you know, Josh Donaldson will enter free agency at the end of next year and then all of a sudden you come up uh, call it Vlad. I mean, that would, I mean, fans would love to see that, but I don't, he, he's not ready. I don't think that's in the cards anytime soon. But at the same time, I mean, maybe if those two do overlap, say you, hypothetically, say you do sign Josh Donaldson, maybe you move him in a few years, you move him over to first base or he transitions into DH. Um, it's just because the the talent is so incredibly hard to find. And, I mean, it is it, he is going to be on the other side of 30 very quickly. But maybe this front office takes a look at what happened with Edwin and goes back and realizes maybe these are the guys that we need to hang on to. And $20 million, not all that much money. They did make a competitive offer to Encarnacion, but perhaps they look at the other other ways players contribute, like off the field and, you know, bringing kind of a cohesiveness to the clubhouse. And, I mean, if you, if you extend Josh Donaldson and keep him around for a little while longer, I mean, that probably appetizes the fan base quite a bit. Um, I feel like he's the big driver in this market. And the second that you subtract Josh Donaldson, you you take a lot of butts out of the seats. And there's a lot of people who are going to be upset and they're going to speak with their wallets. And typically, when, when that happens, uh, a front office, unless they're selling out regardless of the product on the field... Usually, uh, that's how you get through to a front office loud and clear. And uh, that's probably the reason why the Blue Jays didn't really do a re uh, a rebuild this year because I think the front office realizes if they started stripping things down, there would only be, it would be like Tampa Bay where there's only 15,000 people at the ballpark every night. And I think I can speak for everyone when I say, I don't want to go back to that. It doesn't, that's not fun baseball. Uh, We saw that for 22 years. We don't need to go back there. Um, This, the Blue Jays have the financial backing. They have the payroll. They have the ability to be a top 10 payroll team. They could be a top five payroll team if they really wanted. And not that spending covers mass all uh, mistakes. I mean, that, the New York Yankees did that forever but you can't just do it on money alone you still have to draft and develop but with a good with a healthy payroll you can kind of also supplement what you have and in the Blue Jays case they'd be leaning more heavily on trades and and uh, and signings anyway because they're uh, unless you're a pitcher 
the Blue Jays don't really have all that many prospects that are ready to be plucked from the minor leagues. Now, Bichette and, and Guerrero are tremendously exciting, and but they don't, they're not going to make an impact within the next two years. And the Blue Jays still need to find a way to fill those positions while also at the same time remain competitive. So it's a balance that this that Shapiro and Atkins are going to have to pull off. I don't know how they're going to do it, but that's why that's why they're the president. That's why they're the general manager. And um, to wrap it up here on this week's podcast, I'll tell a uh, a bit of a a story of leaving the game early. Um, I left the game early on Sunday. Uh, when the Blue Jays came back to win in walk-off fashion, 11-10, to 10, which I still feel like it didn't happen because I didn't see it live. But anyway, so I'm at the game with my son and my uh, my wife's parents. And this is, you know, the whole game itself was completely forgettable. I mean, it was... The Blue Jays played, it was a dog's breakfast. Like, it was just bad all-around baseball. There was, you know, so many botched plays, throws from home plate into the outfield. It was just, and it was, every every time I looked up, the Angels scored a run, and I didn't realize how. So, you know, I, I asked my son, he's a toddler, and, of course, he's his he has kind of a, a, a set time where he's, interested in something and I could see his interest is waning so I said well do you want to stay for the seven inning or do you want to stay for eight innings and he said he wanted to stay for eight so we we stayed till eight started making our way home walked to the car I think I checked Twitter just before I got in the car to drive and it was I saw that Pilar had hit a, a home run which made it 10 to 6 still realizing it's the bottom of the ninth. I'm like, well, there's no chance they have to get back at this. So start driving home. I think I get on the gardener um, and I check the fan just to kind of see how it ended. And the way I didn't even hear what the score was, but I heard Jerry and Jerry and Joe talking and, and they didn't give any indication as to whether the Jays had won or lost. So I figured, well, it's probably, of course they lost. It was probably a 10-6. to 6. Didn't even check back on the radio all the way home. So it uh, took a few hours to get home, walk in the door, uh, and my wife, she you know, she said, well, wow, that was an exciting game, wasn't it? And I said, no, no, it wasn't at all. And, and then she, she said, well, you guys left the game early, didn't you? I said, yeah. And then she kind of looked at me like, oh, you're going to be mad. So, <laughs> you know, I, and she said, yeah, they came back and won. I, I, I still couldn't really believe it because, you know, they're down by six runs in the bottom of the ninth. There's no way the Blue Jays can conceivably come back. And lo and behold, they did. So <laughs> turned on MLB.TV and watched the end of the end of the game. And, yeah, I mean, it figures, right? Like, the week... Basically, the week that you kind of declare that the Blue Jays' postseason hopes are essentially finished, they come back and and have a huge win like that. But 
the incur I mean, you know, I was kind of bummed that I missed it, but I think it's kind of a better story to tell that we did that we didn't see the game and that I thought they had lost for for two and a half hours. I was convinced they lost. I even told my son that they didn't win the game and then I had to go back and say, No, actually they won. Dad thought they they won, but they didn't. Or dad thought they lost, but they didn't. And I mean it's just it goes to show you that still I mean, even though the Jays are out of it, they're still playing game to game, it can be really, really incredibly entertaining. And Steve Pierce, I mean, he did it twice twice in the span of four days, two grand slams. I mean, you're never you'll never see that again. Uh, it's never gonna happen again. So it was kinda it was kinda neat to be say that I was kind of part of history, but not really. But anyway, it'll be a good story in twenty some odd years. So uh, that's it for this week's edition of the Blue Jay Hunter podcast. Um, uh, just a reminder, you can always grab the uh, podcast over on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or through SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Ian Hunter, and we'll catch you again next time on the Blue Jay Hunter podcast. <laughs>